Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, you want to piss Donald Trump off? Go out and buy something from Amazon today. There you go. Fight back. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Wednesday, Wednesday, April 4, here we are, the big day. Here on the Bill Press Show, every day's a big day. In Donald Trump world, every day's a big day because he says big, stupid things and does big, stupid things. Great to see you today. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining us. We are off to a great start right now with the news of the day, and there is a lot of it. Donald Trump now saying he's going to send the military to the border, and they're going to stay there until the wall is built, meaning they'll be there forever because there ain't going to be no damn wall. Yes, indeed. Donald Trump, meanwhile, still on his tear against Amazon, telling nothing but a big pack of lies, which everybody, including Fox News, has said now is not true. A huge, big win out in Wisconsin. The blue wave keeps building and building the latest, a statewide Supreme Court victory yesterday for a Democratic woman over an NRA-supported white male. Yes, the blue wave is building. And Robert Mueller bags his first victim, the first one of all the people he's been looking at, marching off to jail, maybe just for 30 days, but sending a clear message he is on a tear. All of that coming up and more with a great lineup of guests today. And you are our most important guest, so we want to hear from you what you think about the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll get right into it. But first. This is the Full Court Press. All right, just a couple of other stories making news. If you are in Youngstown, Ohio, folks. Tim Ryan. Be on the lookout for zombie raccoons. Zombie raccoons. Oh, no. Uh Uh-oh. No, seriously. They are Uh so Youngstown police yesterday actually came out and talked about this. They have received 14 calls in the month of March from homeowners saying that they have seen raccoons standing upright on their back legs and showing off their fangs and actually walking up to their front doors, trying to get into the house. They are having a major problem with raccoons in Youngstown. So, uh, look. <laughs> you know, young, uh, raccoons are cute, but they, yeah. can, they can be mean. Oh, oh, yeah, they can I mean, be a huge yeah. problem. Of oh, course, yeah. there's really only I mean, one way to fix zombie raccoons. 
but I'm just, but that's that's beside the point. They're saying if you see a raccoon, stay away. They're very they're, these raccoons are particularly being very aggressive, and you just want to be careful out there. But you're right; they can be dangerous. No, they can be yeah, and vicious. Anyone that tries to pick up a raccoon, forget it. Yeah, no, thank you, no, thank you. Uh, Marvel Studios continue to riding high, continue riding high on the success of the Black Panther. Well, believe it or not. In about two and a half weeks, their big movie, Avengers Infinity War, comes out. Ooh. And yesterday, uh, their uh, uh, directors, the Russo brothers, put out a statement saying that they will not screen the movie for press until like two days before and have asked fans, do not spoil the movie because apparently there are going to be a lot of big shocking moments in the movie. And they said, if you go see it, that's great. We want you to go see it, but don't spoil the movie for everybody else. <laughs> okay. So right. there you go. Well, if you I'm were not going to spoil it because I'm not going to see it. You're not going to see it. It's <laughs> not going to be a problem for you. And a big deal yesterday, we've talked about the census and how screwed up the uh, Trump administration is making it by asking this citizenship question. Yesterday, a lawsuit was filed by 17 states, Washington, D.C., and six cities challenging what they say is the, quote, unconstitutional and arbitrary decision by the U.S. Department of Commerce who oversees the, the, the yep. uh, Census Bureau. And their question about the citizenship test. We, uh, uh, we know Eric Schneiderman, Attorney General from New York. He was the one that sort of led uh, the announcement about this yesterday. But again, 17 states, including, uh, and then Washington, D.C., and then six cities on top of that, all joining this, which is uh, a pretty big deal. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And they're absolutely right about it, too. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. It just flies in the face of, uh, among other things, the United States Constitution. Oh, that little thing? Oh, yeah, right. This is the Bill Press Show. Robert Mueller marches his first victim off, I wouldn't say victim, target off to jail. You know what I say? That's a good start. One down, 30 to go. And Donald Trump's got to be in line there somewhere. Hello, everybody. Great to see you today on this Wednesday, April 4. It is the Bill Press Show, and we are coming to you live all across this great country of ours, wherever you are in the United States of America, actually, and around the globe. We are right there with you, right alongside of you. As you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Right alongside of you as you're uh, curled up on the couch looking at Free Speech TV and right alongside of you in the car, at home, in the office already or out for a walk or whatever on WCPT out in the greater Chicago area. Great to see you today and also, of course, uh, State of Indiana through Indiana Talks. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you are uh, gonna ready to jump in and have a great day today. No better way to start off. Then here with the news of the day, we love having you with us. Thank you for joining us, and really invite your comments uh, on our uh, on Twitter at BP Show. Don't leave Twitter to Donald Trump. Damn it, he's got enough tweets out there. Let's flood the airwaves with our own. You send us your comments on Twitter uh, at BP Show, and we start on this important day in America for the history of America. Fifty years ago today, that sad day in Memphis, Tennessee, Martin Luther King assassinated when he was down there 
marching with our brothers and sisters, the sanitation workers of Memphis, and so many leaders of the nation are gathered there today to mark that occasion uh, to mourn the loss of, Do- of Dr. King, but particularly to celebrate his legacy. And boy, so many people have made the same point. Where is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. today? Boy, could we use that calming leadership, that strong voice for social justice, for racial justice, and for economic justice. And that's what he was marching for, uh, of course, in Memphis, Tennessee. So uh, we salute his memory and are blessed uh, for having him with us. It's so sad that he was taken uh, so soon, so early in his, in his, in his life. And one thing that um, the New York Times talks about this morning, which I'd, I'd totally forgotten about. First of all, a couple of voices from, uh, from, from Memphis. Uh, on, with him, right alongside of him, on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel when he was shot and killed, uh, then the very young Reverend Jesse Jackson yesterday, talking about how still today a Martin Luther King inspires the resistance movement that we see today. First of all, his life has manifested itself in what I would call the resurrection after death. Little kids are marching at Parkland School and Florida and the youth are having a massive march to stop gun violence. That's the spirit of Martin Luther King. And a more recent voice, and a current voice of leadership, the first African-American president elected was down there, is down there, uh, President Barack Obama. For every family who still deserves health care and a dignified wage, for every child who deserves to be free from the fear of gun violence, for the civil rights of every American, no matter what they look like, who they love, or the way they pray. Uh, the people that Dr. Martin Luther King marched for and worked for and fought for at that time, the same people that uh, we uh, he would be fighting for today and we must be fighting for today because we're not yet there yet. I, I think it was not really interesting in, in a lot of the commemoration of the anniversary, it wasn't all about the focus of what Martin Luther King did for people of color back then, which obviously is a yeah, significant right. part yeah. of his history. But also, he stood up for, as we've mentioned many times, he's either, when he was down in Memphis, he was down there for striking sanitation, sanitation workers, workers yeah. right? Like, yeah. anybody who was downtrodden, anybody that couldn't get their voice no. heard, he was there for them. And to Jesse Jackson's point, the Parkland students that are out there today, you can't really, I mean, you can draw a clear line between their form of protest to Martin Luther yep. King Absolutely. The Barack yeah. Obama mentioned the health care stuff, people yeah. who were not getting health care in this country and deserve to have it. You could draw that directly back to Martin Luther King. Right. And something else you can draw back to him, which is or something else that he was very uh, you can draw back to him. But something else he was very much on the front lines about and people forget about this is opposition to the war in Vietnam and opposition to pouring all the, this money, which, damn it, we're still doing into the military and ignoring the needs of average Americans. Uh, It's a point that his daughter, Bernice King, made very powerfully from the pulpit yesterday. Daddy said a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than programs of social uplift is rapidly approaching a spiritual death. Amen, sister. Amen Amen to that. Uh, one thing worth pointing out, 
again, here, here's where I was picking up from the New York Times this morning. Uh, 1968 was a horrible year, a lot of violence that year. Uh, and again, the most two most tragic events, the assassination of uh, Martin Luther King uh, on April 4, and then just a couple of months later, the assassination of uh, Bobby Kennedy. Now think about Pulse Nightclub, think about Sandy Hook, think about Las Vegas, think about Parkland, think about all the rest. Congress doing nothing. Before 1968 was over, Lyndon Johnson had signed new gun control legislation that he forced the Congress to pass in the wake of those two assassinations, and he did it despite the opposition of the NRA. He signed a gun gun control law. Then it was called um, just about that was about uh, the Gun Control Act. Gun Control Act it was, is what it was called. And Johnson said, "Quote: The voices that blocked these safeguards or tried to block them, meaning the NRA, were not the voices of an aroused nation. They were the voices of a powerful lobby, a gun lobby." That has prevailed for the moment in an election year, for the moment. But he said, those of us who are really concerned about crime have to fight for stronger laws, stronger gun control laws. Now, there was a president who believed in it and was willing to fight for it, which we don't have today. But there was also uh, political will on the part of the Congress then to recognize the need, to recognize the moment, and to do something. And yet today, they are blind and deaf to any cries uh, and any evidence of the need for some sensible gun safety legislation. We heard another voice yesterday after the YouTube shooting uh, out in uh, California, uh, a doctor who treated some of the uh, victims there, Dr. Andre Campbell, uh, making this very same point. We got a serious problem that we need to address. No, I don't have all the answers, but I can say that we need, at least we're having a discussion about it nationally, I think, which is a good thing. But this is a real problem. Yeah, it is a real problem. And who uh, would know better? The difference. Who would know better than who the doctors better, the that doctor, have seen yeah. the damage yeah, the guns yeah. do? But that, again, the difference between now and 1968 and 1968, you had some leadership who recognized the problem and had the balls to take on the NRA which today, today's Republican leadership simply does not. Hey, a little bit of good news yesterday. Uh, our guest, Kyle Conduct mentioned this, that we should be looking at the Supreme Court uh, race in, uh, in Wisconsin yesterday. It was a BFD. In fact, Joe Biden was out there endorsing. <laughs> the. Uh, now, when you run for the Supreme Court, you don't run as a Democrat or Republican. <clears throat> yeah, wink, wink. Yeah, there was a Democrat <laughs> and a Republican running, right? The, the, the Democrat, uh, Rebecca Dallet, uh, with the support of the statewide Democratic Party, Senator Cory Booker was out there supporting her. Joe Biden went out when that was out there supporting her. Uh, and it's a 10-year, for a 10-year term on the, United, on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Uh, there was a Republican up, Michael Shrinock, who was backed by the, all the national Republicans, backed by the NRA sta- and, and by Scott Walker. And she, Rebecca Dalla, won that seat hands down, which, remember that state Senate seat about maybe a month, six weeks ago, 
was another big upset where Democrats were able to flip a state Senate seat and turn it from Republican to Democrat. It was a Trump district uh, in the western part of Wisconsin. I think uh, Congressman Mark Pocan told us about it. But this was a statewide election, and Scott Walker, the governor yesterday, said uh, last night when this was over, uh, I fear... I fear there's a blue wave that's going to strike America today, uh, starting uh, in Wisconsin. So this is a really big deal. Yes, it's the first time uh, that Democrats have been able to take an open Supreme Court seat. It's interesting that in Wisconsin you vote for the Supreme Court nominee. I know in California you do only if they re- impeach them or repeal them, whatever, but not to— I don't hate it, by the way. Not to appoint them. No, I don't hate it I either. I don't hate it. But it's the first time Democrats have been able to pick up a— an open uh, Supreme Court seat in Wisconsin in 23 years. So it's another sign. Uh, I wouldn't say the blue wave is here, but um, you add Virginia, you add New Jersey, you add Alabama, you add what we saw in Pennsylvania, you add 39 legislative seats, including that one in Wisconsin, that have flipped from red to blue, and now you add this Wisconsin Supreme Court seat. And you know what? Uh, it doesn't mean it's in the bag, but it means if Democrats work hard at every single race in the country, um, could have a good year. Could have a good year. Yeah, worth mentioning, too, um, Robert Mueller. He's, uh, by the way, you know, we get all, we get tra- all sidetracked on all this stuff, other stuff, right? Um, Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal and whatever. But meanwhile, Robert Mueller is just boom, 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 doing his job. And every once in a while, he pops up, and then we realize, oh, holy mackerel, this new, this Russian investigation is still going on. Robert Mueller hasn't gone away, and he's not going to go away. We saw evidence of that uh, yesterday on a couple of fronts. The first is that this young Dutch lawyer, 33 years old, Alex von Swan, uh, he was uh, as a lawyer for a London law firm and doing some business with Paul Manafort and Rick Gates while they were running the Trump campaign. While Manafort was campaign manager and Gates, this is very important, Gates was deputy campaign manager. And uh, Von Swan, working with Rick Gates, uh, was sort of a liaison with them with a Russian official Gates told him he was a Russian intelligence official. He was a Russian spy, in other words. And they he was the liaison between the Russian spy and the Trump campaign at the time. Well, when he was asked by Robert Mueller about it, he lied to Robert Mueller and investigators about it. They got the evidence. They nailed him. He lied to the FBI yesterday. He was sort of a slap on the wrist, if you will. He was fined $20,000, and he got 30 days in jail. But... The point is... The point is made, though. The point is made. You lie to us, we're going to get you. You're not going to get away with it. That's that's a, That was a message sent to anybody else that they've already talked to or they might be talking to, including <laughs> Mr. Trump. Uh, and it was a message that Robert Mueller is serious and he's in business. And even a little guy like this, he's not, not going to just let go, right? Going to have to Going to have to pay the price. Um, and I really think that I think the message is there was a a protester outside the courthouse yesterday or an activist outside the courthouse uh, 
that when uh, the Swan Swan walked out after being sentenced to 30 days, this activist shouted, it's Mueller time. <laughs> oh, God. oh, God. And then he said, one down, 30 to go. Well, it may not be 30, but you know what? He's not the last one. Huh? No. Very, but so. very, very important. Very powerful message that Robert Mueller sent by starting right here, you know. When he started with Paul Manafort, everybody said, what's he doing? What's he doing? No, boom. He's building the case from the bottom all the way to the top. And now, the second second thing that we learned yesterday about the Robert Mueller investigation, again, very important, is uh, all the Donald Trump and Republicans following in his footsteps have been saying, oh, Mueller is exceeding his authority. He's looking into stuff that he has no business looking into, like all these business deals with Paul Manafort and the Russians and all these possible business deals that Donald Trump had with the Russians, which might have influenced them to help the Russians in their efforts to undermine the election. Uh, and they were saying Robert Mueller is exceeding his authority. Well, as part of the documents that were filed in this Von Swan case, there's a memo from the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, Rod Rosenstein, telling Robert Mueller that you should also be looking into the business deals of Donald Trump and the business <laughs> deals of Paul Manafort. In other words, Robert Mueller is not out there um, going on a wild goose chase, or he is not thinking up things that he ought to be looking into. He's following the directions he was given when he got the job by the Deputy Attorney General, uh, who is still the Deputy Attorney General uh, of the United States, Rod Rosenstein. And anybody who says, by the way, that a special counsel has to stick to the initial tip, if Mueller were getting a little, uh, you know, going beyond his initial mandate, mission creep, if you will, uh, I would remind them, Ken Starr, remember him? Yeah, he was appointed to look into a land deal in Arkansas. And where did he end up? Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. I completely forgot. I mean, but right. yeah, duh. Yeah, he ended up in bed with Paula Jones. Right. <laughs> right. God forbid. But anyway, you get my point. Um, so, big deal yesterday. Yep, one down, uh, 30 to go. Meanwhile, uh, Donald Trump had a little uh, news conference yesterday at the White House with the leaders of the Baltics, uh, and he took a couple of questions. You know what? Here's what I think is the uh, – they blew it yesterday, Right. Uh, I, I wasn't there because I was doing CNN up in New York yesterday. But, um, my, you know, my question for Donald Trump would have been, Mr. President, can you name the three Balkan, Baltic, Baltic <laughs> countries? He was standing right along. I bet you he couldn't have named the no three. Way. No. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but he did um, make a point again about Amazon. Amazon, he insists that Amazon is cheating and they are not paying their fair rate at the post office. The post office is losing billions of dollars and the taxpayers are paying for that money because it delivers packages for Amazon at a very below cost. And that's not fair to the United States. It's not fair to our taxpayers. And Amazon has the money to pay the fair rate at the post office, which would be much more than they're paying right now. We're giving a subsidy to Amazon and we're talking about billions of dollars a year. Yeah. At a very, how low? A very below cost, right? It's very, very, very below cost, right? That's what he says. Okay. Well, okay. I've told you the facts. Uh, maybe you don't believe it from me. 
Let's let Fox News tell Donald Trump what the facts are. Here is Shep Smith yesterday afternoon on Fox News. Mr. President, you're lying through your teeth. The Postal Service's own numbers show it makes money by delivering packages for Amazon and other companies. As for taxpayers, the Post Office's own website points out, and I quote, the Postal Service receives no tax dollars for operating expenses. Right. None. Right. And that reference to $1.47 that the president came up with there, a Citigroup study last year showed on average the Postal Service was charging $1.46 below market rates for package delivery. But our researchers point out, if that discount exists, it's not just for Amazon, it's a bulk rate discount. Duh! Duh. And we've been telling you that there is a bulk rate. Walmart gets it. Barnes & Noble gets it. I, I don't know. Who else gets it? Um, who are some of the other... Anybody who anybody. Any I mean, big, anybody who has those, an online store. Any of those big retailers get it, right? And Amazon gets it, right? And it is true. And by the way, I'm not sure that I really agree with that, but that's the way it is, and that's the way it was set up. The post office is a great service. They do incredible work. Uh, and I give them a lot of business. <laughs> uh, go out of my way. I'll use the post office, their service, better than, I mean, I'll use them over UPS or FedEx because I like to give them the business. But my point is, there are no tax dollars going to the post office. It is entirely generated by revenue. It's the, so far as I know, be careful here, so far as I know, the only government agency that doesn't get some kind of taxpayer dollar to do its job. So it's entirely, it's entirely supported by revenue. And now, it's also something it's that also we do lost, better. It's also lost money year after year after year under Democratic and Republican presidents. But look at Amtrak. Amtrak, right? Amtrak gets... A lot of federal subsidies. Uh, but we expect the post office to be entirely uh, self-sufficient. Well, you know, I hope it is. And one of the ways they do is they give, I mean, th they'll give a better rate because they have to compete with UPS or FedEx, right? So they'll give Amazon or, or some of the big retailers a, a bargain rate. But Amazon is not getting a different rate or a lower rate than other retailers are. End They're, of story. End of story. It's just not End true. of story. Right. And we've talked about before how good Trump is at finding just enough truth. A kernel of truth, usually, yeah. To, like, yeah. make his lie believable or you right. can't completely shoot it down mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there's just enough daylight. With this, he's completely wrong. Yeah. He is completely wrong. There's not one nugget of truth in what he's saying. Not No, not at all. Right. So then uh, he goes on, uh, drops a little uh, bombshell at this uh, briefing yesterday. Uh, talking about, and of course we've seen nothing for the last three days, uh, but this um, this hateful rhetoric and this alarmist rhetoric about the hordes of uh, central people from Central America who are marching toward the border, uh, and this is a real threat to the country. They're coming here to join the to, to get, be part of the Dreamers program, which, as we pointed out yesterday, uh, is totally impossible. He's lying about that, or wrong about that too. So how are we going to stop these millions of people that are rushing to the border? Well, Donald Trump says suddenly yesterday, without uh, talking to the defense secretary about it ahead of time, we'll send the military down there. We are preparing for the military to secure our border between Mexico and the United States. Uh, we have a meeting on it in a little while with General Mattis.
And he said they're going to stay there until the wall is built. And then because the wall is going to keep everybody out, right? This is such, this is so crazy. Uh, there are a couple of problems with this. First of all, by the way, I do one point out. George W. Bush sent the National Guard down at one time. So did Barack Obama. Uh, so presidents before then. That was a time when there were a lot of people coming across the border. Again, back to the New York Times this morning points out, there are fewer people coming across the border than since, wait a minute, I want to get that for sure, uh, 1971. <laughs> Jesus. Since 1971. And the MSNBC was reporting this morning that for the last four years, more Mexicans have gone south than have come north. Right, left the country, then have entered the country. Yeah, but so, let's but let's 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 put the yeah, military down. Yeah, there. let's put the military down there. No, so number one, he's exaggerating the need and the threat, the need for the military to get there. The other thing, there's another real serious problem, which is we have something called the Posse Comitatus Law. Okay, it was signed by Rutherford B. Hayes in 1878, and even the liberal Rutherford B. Hayes. Yes, right. <laughs> And it says that the military cannot be used to enforce enforce policies inside the United States of America. That's why we don't have the military, other than times of some big national unrest or times of to help out for hurricanes or, or tornadoes or whatever. You don't have the military in the streets of America. There is a law against it, and rightfully so, because some crackpot like Donald Trump could say, oh, man, I don't like what Chicago's doing, right? We're going to send the military out to take over law enforcement in Chicago. Oh, wait, he did, he did tweet that, though, remember? He did at one did time, yeah. At one point. But there's a posse comitatus law forbids the use of the military to do law enforcement work, if you will, in, inside, in the United States of America. So were the military to go to the border, they can't do the job of the Border Patrol. They cannot do it legally. They can't do the job of ICE. The most that they would be able to do, and by the way, I saw a general yesterday on CNN who was making this point, the most they'd be able to do would be some, provide some backup work, you know, um, do some training maybe or something like that. They're not trained for this. And by the way, they, they kind of have like more important things to do. I'd like to think that they do. Yeah. I'd like right? to think they have more important With things. all the training they get, you know, for to protect us and, and and around the world, Iraq and Afghanistan, and and that in, incredible intensive military training they get, and then we're going to send them down there, right, to just sit on their ass and back up the border patrol, uh, not the job of the military. So uh, for many reasons, and by the way, then finally, they're going to stay there until the wall is built. Yeah, the rest of their lives. Yeah, I said this yesterday on CNN. Uh, Donald Trump will be out of the White House. Yeah. And there still won't be any wall. Okay. So let's just get serious here. But again, you would think this is something that he might consult the Pentagon with before he would announce it. But of course, that is not Donald Trump's style. How many times has he announced something at the White House? I had no idea he was going to do. Uh, and then they're scrambling to try to catch up. And by the way, in the clip that we just played, he referenced, I'm about to go meet with General Mattis. And for all oh, yeah. of the accolades that people have have given to Jim Mattis and uh, for all the positivity that even mm -hmm. Democrats have been putting on, he's one of the sane minds in there. Like, as you mentioned, it's against the law to do this. Will 
Mad Dog Mattis step up and actually tell the president, uh, sir, this is not what what these troops signed up for. And remember, this is not what the military no. is for. And remember, I don't think thank he God, will. Thank God. Well, I don't think so either. Uh, thank God for General Mattis in the sense that he is the one sane voice still around. Remember, we had, there were four of them at one time about a year ago, and everybody said, don't worry, Trump can't go too what, too far from the reservation because there's Rex Tillerson, H.R. McMaster, there's one other who's gone, and Jim Mattis. There were four. Well, three out of four are gone. I can't remember who the other one might be. They're all, there's so many people have gone at any rate. Um, troops at the military, another crazy Donald Trump idea. We've got so much to get into today, including yesterday, the embattled Scott Pruitt, <clears throat> who got a tiny bit of support from Donald Trump yesterday, made a very important uh, announcement, very dangerous announcement about uh, cafe standards. We'll find out what that's all about from Christina Costa, Senior Fellow at the Center for American Progress. Joining us next year on this Wednesday edition of the Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. On a Wednesday, April 4. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bill Press Show. Lots and lots of news today, most of it coming out of the uh, Trump White House. We are on top of it with you. Great to see you today. We're coming to you live from our nation's capital and our studio on Capitol Hill, where we are brought to you by the uh, great members of the American Federation of Teachers. And boy, they are out there in huge numbers uh, in Oklahoma and in Kentucky in particular, under the leadership of President Randy Weingarten. We salute them uh, and support them in their effort to get a decent salary and to get uh, uh, a decent uh, you know, classrooms, uh, textbooks, chairs, and everything that they need uh, to give these kids a good uh, education. Uh, check out their website for more on what's happening in Kentucky and Oklahoma at AFT.org. It's good to welcome to the program from the Center for American Progress, our great partners uh, at CAP. Christina Costa is a senior fellow joining us in studio Talk about Scott Pruitt and other things. Hi, Christina. Good to see you. Hi, Bill. Great to be here. We have been here for uh, a little bit of time and stirring up a little dust here. Peter, bring us up to date. Yes, indeed. We are on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. You talked about the big election in Wisconsin. Joey says, Scott Walker and the GOP members, I would start building an ark because the blue flood is coming. (laughs) He's taking it more than just the blue wave. He's going to be a blue flood. taking it another level, but... On the war with Amazon uh, between uh, Donald Trump and Jeff Bezos, uh, Luna says, uh, I bet if someone checked, they would find out the Trump businesses all get a bulk rate to ship their products, which is a good point, by the way. Remember, you can buy all kinds of stuff from Trump's website, and I bet they also get a similar discount that that you were just talking about. Well, uh, I did mention that, according to CBS News, the Trump campaign spent uh, roughly one hundred and seventy thousand dollars on Amazon in yeah. twenty sixteen. Right, mm-hmm. right. Now, uh, do you think they got the bulk rate, or they said no? We insist on paying the full rate for any 
po- packages that are delivered to us. Right, right. And don't forget, also, we are on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Uh, RB weighing in on the zombie raccoon story. Uh-oh, zombie that raccoons, I did. He yes. says, uh, actually, the zombie raccoons are just Alex Jones with raccoon costumes and his <laughs> usual facial expressions. He is, he is desperate to prove at least one of his statements is actually true, in my opinion. So that, that might actually be, you might be onto something. It might just be Alex Jones. Yeah. Uh, and just a little bit of breaking news. We just had a. Uh, I, I just noticed on the uh, on the wires. There's a little uh, wire a wire story out of uh, Darien, Illinois, that the, the crowds are already lining up uh, outside of the Frugal Muse bookstore tonight. Uh, yes, yes, uh, for uh, tonight's big event. So maybe you better get out there, and get in line already. Yes, tonight's big event is me at the and all of you. At the Frugal Muse Bookstore in Darien, Illinois, hopping on United Airlines right after the program to go out for a big political town hall. Uh, so come out to Darien, Illinois. If you're anywhere in the Chicago area, it'll be a lot of fun tonight to see you. Uh, and we'll talk about uh, everything uh, happening in Illinois, what's happening around the country, what is happening with the blue wave, uh, celebrating last night's Supreme Court victory in Wisconsin, and also talking about the new book from the left, my new book, from the left, Life in the Crossfire. Uh, you find out more about it at our website or at the Frugal Muse Bookstore in Darien, Illinois tonight. 6.30, 6.30 p.m. We'll see you there. Can't wait. All right, so, Christina, we know that the uh, administrator of the EPA, Mr. Um, Pruitt, let's put the policy aside for just a second. <laughs> He's got some personal um, problems with um, building the telephone booth, all the first-class travel, uh, and now the sweetheart deal for his uh, little room in the condo on Capitol Hill. So we wonder, is his job secure? And the president was asked that uh, yesterday uh, by reporters, and he gave uh, Scott Pruitt a ringing endorsement. I, I hope he's going to be great. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really not clear what. I hope he's going to be great. I hope he's going to be great. Really not clear, uh, you know, where, when, what, or how he hopes that he's going to be great uh, from that statement. But you know, I think, you know, environmentalists and uh, members of Congress have been saying from the beginning that Scott Pruitt is in bed with lobbyists. We just didn't know that we meant that literally. That <laughs> yeah. uh, he was literally staying in their beds. Yeah. Uh, and staying in their beds, it's worth uh, reminding your listeners. At about one fourth of the cost of what it would rent cost to uh, to stay in an Airbnb. No, no, no. Everybody, they Hill. say this is a market rate. No, yeah. it's not. You know, I yeah. live on Capitol Hill. Right. I know on Capitol Hill. I know what we pay for our house. I know what our house is worth. I know what people rent out their basement apartments, yeah. their their garden apartments, what do they call it? Uh, English garden apartments here. I, I and I know what you'd pay at this little Capitol Suites hotel down here mm-hmm. or at the Hyatt Regency. Capitol Hill is an expensive part of town. Well, anywhere, I mean, but but also like but, he gave an interview to the Washington Post yesterday where he he's clinging onto that. He said, if you look at it, it is market value, which is provably false. And by the way, you cannot have your room reserved for you at one of these hotels, but only pay for the nights that you stay in it. Yeah, if if that's the standard uh, for market rate rent in D.C., I personally would like to have a few words with my landlord if I only have to pay fifty dollars a night yeah, when I'm actually, actually there. You couldn't get away. You couldn't get away with that in any part of Washington D.C. No, absolutely not. You can't get yeah. away with that anywhere apartments are rented. It doesn't yeah. pass the laugh test. No. So, and then let's point out that th- this is not just a, a cheap 
deal, right, or a, a cheap rate. But it's a, a condo owned by the wife of the of big lobbyist, lobbyist, the yeah. energy lobbyist for um, ExxonMobil mm-hmm. and for this big natural gas company. Yeah, for Chenier Energy. Chenier Energy. That, and the big pipeline mm-hmm. was had been approved by Scott Pruitt yeah. while he's staying in the house of the chief lobbyist for the company. While he's staying in, in their apartment. And, yeah, And, um, yeah. you know, another, another sort of I strange mean, connection is, you know, a lot of people were really puzzled last year when Scott Pruitt uh, spent $40,000 in taxpayer money to go to Morocco and advocate on behalf of American natural gas exports, which is mm-hmm. not the responsibility of the EPA administrator. That falls under the Department of Energy. That is Rick Perry's job. I'm sure he mm-hmm. would have been happy to do it. Uh, but at the time that Scott Pruitt was you know, appearing at this very strange event, uh, the only natural gas export company in the U.S. was Chenier Energy. Uh, and he has the temerity to say, oh, this is people making much ado about nothing. You know, this is my enemies will seize on anything. Well, you know what, Bill? I worked in the Obama White House when President Obama wore a tan suit. Mm-hmm. And so if Scott Pruitt <laughs> thinks this is making much ado about nothing, maybe he is not cut out for a life in politics. That was the biggest scandal, perhaps, yeah. of, of eight years with Barack Obama is when he that one day he wore a tan suit. Right. He, he never wore it again. Never did. Learned his lesson. It's amazing. <laughs> but, I mean, can you imagine what uh, well, Republicans the... in Congress would be doing if Gina McCarthy oh, had been staying yeah, in an apartment? You, you, that... But, you see, we have a rule here on the bill pressure. We, uh, we've we stopped playing that game because <laughs> it, 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 would, it's, it would drive you crazy. That's very true. I mean, can you imagine what Republicans <laughs> would be saying if Barack Obama had paid a porn star $130,000 not to talk about their big affair, right? I mean, so well, their heads would have exploded. So they yeah. might not have been able to say anything at but, all. But you know, I, I remember, I distinctly remember when I first got involved in politics in California, way, 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 way back. One of the first things, the first guy that I worked for, told me is you have to avoid not just a conflict, but the appearance of conflict. Mm-hmm. And you know, and how can Pruitt? And other people in the White House deny that this certainly stinks. Right. Right. I mean, absolutely. It, it just doesn't look good. I mean, so what do you think is going to happen? There are two, re, only two Republican members of Congress, but at least two have said he ought to go. Do you think he will? Well, I mean, I, mean, I one think one thing you're... Trump doesn't like is people who do get bad press because he thinks it reflects on him. Well, and it does reflect on him. I mean, the yeah. fish rots from the head. Now Scott Pruitt's been rotten for a pretty long time, so he came in with <laughs> with a head start. But uh, you know, this does reflect very badly on Trump. It reflects very badly on the White House. Uh, certainly, the story that came out earlier this week that Scott Pruitt, who had already called. Uh, Trump, an empty vessel on a talk radio show before he was EPA administrator, said that he was a threat to the Constitution, decided to go around the White House to give enormous pay raises to two of his closest aides. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about that, because so the facts are right that he wanted to give them these pay raises and he asked the White House. Mm-hmm. Right? And they said no. They said no. They said no. And what Scott Pruitt did was use this provision in the Safe Drinking Water Act, a provision that was put into law in the 90s to make it uh, easier for EPA administrators to bring in experts to help solve problems at the agency. There's a very small number of these jobs that they can they can bring in without White House approval, without congressional approval. 
Uh, and what he did was, instead of bringing in experts, he used that uh, that that law to mm. reappoint two people who already worked at the agency and give them raises of, I believe it's something like twenty-eight and $56,000. Not new salaries of $56,000, yeah, just a raise of nearly the median household income. Must be doing a very good job. Mm. Uh, so that, that too, uh, is one more plank, right, uh, in addition to the first-class travel and the phone booth. Right, absolutely. Uh, uh, and all that, which could possibly imperil his job. Uh, you know, my fear uh, is that we'll get somebody – hard to believe there'd be anybody worse. <laughs> but Trump is not going to appoint uh, uh, a Bill O'Reilly or a Bill Ruckelshaus, right, or right, not right, even or a Christine, Christine Whitman, Whitman yeah. right? No, I think that's let alone a Gina McCarthy. That's certainly fair, and I think you know the debate that people are having is, you know, does Scott Pruitt's bad press and his ethical violations and his relentless apparently undermining of the White House's authority and his hiring decisions does that outweigh what people see as his success in rolling back environmental regulations? And that deserves very big air quotes. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that he hasn't been that successful in the things that he's trumpeting. Uh, courts have said that he moved that he he moved too quickly in trying to roll back ozone standards and trying to roll back lead paint standards um, and I think you're going to see more and more of that happening and particularly uh, with this decision earlier this week uh, to roll back the fuel economy standards um, yeah uh, this was made actually yesterday mm -hmm. uh, it was announced that he was going to announce yes, yes. Uh, a few a days classic ago Pruitt announcement. right uh, so yesterday he did say that um, um, that these standards, which were adopted by the Obama administration with the support of mm -hmm. the American auto industry, uh, but but EPA had to look every six months or so as to how well they were doing, right? He said, we're doing our job, we take a look, and we think these things are fair. Here he is. Those standards that were set, uh, that we are obligated to, to evaluate, we are determining, I am determining, that those standards are inappropriate and should be revised. Should be revised because we, he says, want to serve American consumers so they're not forced to buy cars they don't want to buy. <laughs> Make sure that consumers across this country are not put in a position where they're having to be, you know, buy more expensive cars or cars that uh, don't really truly want to be purchased, creating worse outcomes to the environment. Uh, so first of all, just the facts. What are they proposing? Well, so it's not clear yet what exactly they're proposing, but what had been finalized at the end because of the Because we Obama, didn't see that yesterday, right? I mean, they said they're going to do they're this. They're going but to open up the process up, again. Yeah, right. Exactly, exactly. And they have a few months to, to figure out what exactly, you know, how far back they want to ratchet these From rules. the 54.5 by 2020. From 54.5 by 2020, exactly. Yeah. And that's what sort of cars in model year 2025 are supposed to average. It doesn't mean every car in the fleet or every light truck right. in the fleet is going to get that. But looking at the fleet as a whole, that's what they're supposed to be getting in 2025. Now, these rules would save owners of those vehicles thousands of dollars uh, at the pump over the lifetime of those vehicles, reduce our dependence on foreign oil by millions and millions of barrels, reduce harmful air pollution that not only uh, helps drive climate change, but also causes smog and, and asthma attacks and respiratory disease uh, in, in communities across the country. Uh, and, you know, the automakers, uh, as you say, in the, during the Obama administration, supported this program 
Um, they came out very strongly in support of it. And actually, it's interesting because you see uh, a lot of increasing nervousness among some of the autos about what exactly Scott Pruitt has in mind here. Um, so you have Honda coming out and saying that this isn't what we want. Uh, you had Chevy dealers saying, no, no, please don't appear at one of our dealerships to announce these rollbacks. We yeah. don't want to be associated no, with this No, it's worth plan. pointing out that this, this announcement yesterday, which he made at the EPA, was originally planned at a Chevy dealership mm-hmm. out in Chantilly, Virginia, mm-hmm. not far from here, at the Peter, the po- Pohanka Chevy dealership. We, oh, yeah. Wow, man. What a throwback. He used to advertise <laughs> on our radio <laughs> station that we both worked for. for <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, they finally, they told Scott Pruitt, we don't want you here, right? Yep. Because they got such flack from Chevy dealers around the country saying, we don't want to be identified with this guy. Yeah. Uh, but so the auto dealers played a little, they were a little too cute for their own good, weren't they? They sort of said to Scott Pruitt, yeah, you know, maybe these are a little too rough. Maybe you could loosen up a little bit. And instead, he threw the baby out with the bathwater. Exactly. And they had been very clear from the beginning, you know, there were some technical changes that they wanted made to the program. It's debatable whether those are necessary, but I mean, but, yeah, but, this is what industry does all of the time. I mean, I the That's auto right. industry claimed in the 70s and 80s yeah. that seat belts and airbags were going to kill their business. Yeah, right. Clearly, that yeah. did not happen. And also, like, this strikes me as, like, what le- like what real leadership can actually get done, right? We talked about what Barack Obama did. Mm-hmm. He talked to the yeah. auto dealers. Yeah. He said, this is what I want to have happen, and they right. got on board with it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you just... Take that away and take any kind of leadership away at all from trying like trying to lead that industry into a smarter, better industry. They just get lazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you said, they were on board until someone told them that they didn't have to yeah, be on so, board. Exactly. And now they just said, okay, well, screw it. Then. Yeah. It's so now when, these, when the auto manufacturers are now saying, oh, we didn't want to go that far. Well, you bastards, you, you know, <laughs> you, you sat down with Scott Pruitt and said, yeah, we can do some business right. here. You, but, you made but, your so, bed. So here. I mean, in the EU, aren't there a couple of countries that have said, we're not going to have any fossil fuel cars by 20, when is it, I don't know, 2035 the, or something yes, like that? Yes, in the, in the 2030s. But, I mean, they've already said. India's moving in this direction, too, yeah, and We're China. getting rid of fossil fuel cars. Mm-hmm. We're going in the other direction. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And More gas guzzlers. Yeah, this is just another way that the United States uh, in this administration is going to be wildly out of step with the rest of the world. And I'll tell you what, you know, it's going to be bad for American business. It's going to be bad for American jobs. It's going to be bad for, for trade um, because the fact of the matter is that our companies uh, and our national labs have been at the forefront of a lot of these technologies in the past, and they could continue doing so and continue in- innovating and continue creating the jobs of the future. Uh, that's hard, obviously. You know, If it was easy, everyone would be doing it right now, and we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Uh, but instead of doing that, they're saying, you know what, let's make a slightly quicker buck now and we'll worry um, when the bill comes due. Yeah, what I find so uh, what really upsets me the most about this, I think, is that the auto industry seems to be saying that we're not as good as the rest of the world in the cars. We, we can't make mm-hmm. cars as good as Germany can. As Fiat. Or as Fiat or as, you know, Honda or whatever, that we can't make cars as good as they do. So we're raising the white flag and just going to keep making these big buckets. These big gas-guzzling cars. Yeah, Yeah. which is 
I, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that either, and um, I don't think the, the workforce believes that, and certainly California does not believe that. Well, I was going to say, okay, if we're out of step with the rest of the world, right? <laughs> yeah, this puts the United States and Trump administration certainly out of step with California, my state, and my friend, Governor Jerry Brown, whom I worked for for four years. And California is not going to fold. California is not going to fold. Now, what's important to remember is under the Clean Air Act, because of California's historic challenges with pollution, uh, they have authority in the CARS program to set their own higher standards if the federal government does not measure up. Now, uh, as we were saying, this is where leadership in the administration makes a big difference. President Obama was able to bring California to the table, bring the auto industry to the table, bring the EPA to the table, and strike a deal that satisfied everyone. So the autos would have one national standard that they only had to manufacture you know, one set of vehicles for, not one set of vehicles for California and the 12 other states and District of Columbia that follow their standards mm-hmm. and one set for the, the rest of the country. Uh, And this is what the automakers are really, really nervous about, I think, because Scott Pruitt, to distract from his condo scandal, to distract from his travel scandal, to distract from going around the White House on pay, decided to launch a political attack on California when they were making when he was making this announcement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did. That is the opposite of what any of the autos want to hear from him. They're going to lose that battle. They're going to lose that battle. They will lose that battle for several reasons on the political front, I believe, and on the legal front. Mm -hmm. But. For the auto industry, again, they put themselves right in the middle of this. I don't feel sorry for them. They're going to have to decide how they're going to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's they're either going to have to follow the California standard for the entire country. Mm-hmm. It's California plus 12 states and the District of Columbia yep. that will follow California, that are already said they're with California, mm-hmm. same standards. So a manufacturer is going to have to make cars that will pass the test in California and those other 12 states and sell those nationwide, or sell one kind of car in the California right. states and a different kind of car in the other states. Yep. Which they can't do, Does right? Does not make, I mean... Well, they could, but... They I mean, could, but it makes no sense uh, from a business perspective. From a business perspective, no. They'd have to have two different sets of assembly lines. Mm-hmm. One for mm-hmm. the good cars, one for the bad cars. Right, and that frankly it's is not insane. a it's not a good PR look, I think, to say, uh, you know, you oh, here yeah. in Texas, you mm-hmm. don't deserve the good cars. Yeah. We, yeah, our this plant makes the good cars. This plant, <laughs> the clean cars. This plant makes the dirty cars. Yeah. Now, which one would you want, right? But I if think you're, you're in Texas, you get a dirty car. Right, right. And I think you're right that it is. You know, it's it's up to the automakers now because Pruitt has clearly shown that he's not capable of doing this job responsibly uh, and handling his responsibilities as EPA administrator. I think the if the autos and and California can come to the table and and come to some kind of some kind of agreement that maybe will present a, a path forward that's good for consumers and for the environment uh, and and good for the autos as well. Uh, did you read the profile of Scott Pruitt in the New Yorker last week? I did. Uh, excellent piece, excellent. I thought. <laughs> yes. But the one thing that I took heart in there that we did have an EPA administrator way back who was. Almost as bad as Scott Pruitt, Gina Gorsuch, yes. who is the mother, mother of, of Neil, <coughs> Gorsuch. Neil Gorsuch. Yes, yes. she lasted two years, mm-hmm. and she tried to destroy, really wreck the EPA, and the good scientists and employees there, and people who are really career committed to protecting the environment. They just kind of hunkered down. They kept doing their job as quietly as they could, mm-hmm. and then she left, and then they got somebody. I think it was. Ruckelshaus, it was, was Ruckelshaus it? Ruckelshaus came in, yeah. who came in then, right. 
So um, I guess the good people at EPA, if they can hold on, right? If they can hold on. Um, to what they can during exactly, this time. Exactly. Uh, we'll come out the other end, hopefully, and the environment will still be there. <laughs> <laughs> the environment will still be there. Well, I mean, the. It's a great strategy. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you're absolutely right that the uh, career civil servants at the EPA are the absolute best in the business. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this one we, lab in Michigan that they have that tests the cars mm -hmm. for the cafe standards, the best in rated the best in the world. Yep. And Scott Pruitt tried to shut it down. Oh, man. Oh, good stuff. Very, very important stuff. Uh, as Chris Christie said, Scott Pruitt should never have been pointed in the first place. <laughs> That's another story. Christina Costa from. Of Center for American Progress, centerforamericanprogress.org, right? That's right. All right. Hang tight. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing, if you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Okay, you want to piss Donald Trump off? Go online and buy something from Amazon. Yeah, that's part of the resistance right there. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? Great to see you today. It's a Wednesday, April 4, The Bill Press Show. Coming to you live from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., Running fast, trying to keep up with all the news of the day. It is tough because there is so much going on. Uh, yes, Donald Trump continuing his war on Amazon. Uh, the Trump administration continuing its war on California and on clean air, uh, by the way. Uh, Donald Trump now saying he is going to send troops to the border to stop these hordes of people who are making their way north. Uh, to cross the border, he says, and to join the uh, Dreamers program. In the meantime, a huge win for progressives in Wisconsin last night. Uh, Democrat elected to the uh, Supreme Court, first time they've been able to do that in 23 years. Even the Republican governor of Wisconsin says it looks like a blue wave is coming. All of that and a whole lot more to cover. Uh, we need a lot of help today. We got it in the person <laughs> of our good friend from Washington Post, Eugene Scott here is a friend of Bill for the hour. Hello, Eugene. How are you? I'm good. It's good, good to see you. You as well. Isn't it amazing how every day, man, it's just... Every day. Yeah. Never day. stops. I'm, a, I'm in the car coming here trying to read everything, seeing what <laughs> happened since I woke up. No, I know. And yeah. The days of the three-hour news cycle are exhausting. Oh, yeah. it's it's <laughs> You you leave your phone like somewhere and you'll miss something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Never uh, fails. Uh, last time Eugene was here, is, uh, we, uh, Rex Tillerson was fired while we were on the air. So And and quite a few people have left since then. That's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And Scott Pruitt could be your day-to-day. -day, yeah, stay you know? tuned. Someone might get fired later. 
later to, uh, right. this uh, hour. Hey, remember, you are the most important guest of the program, so we want to hear from you on Twitter, at BP Show. Send us your comments. We will jump right into it together, but first... This Peter is Ogburn, the Full Court Press. Stories. Yes, indeed. Yes. Just a couple of other stories making news. This is uh, a, a story that has the eye of several people. Uh-oh. So Russia yesterday, <laughs> they unveiled a new male drone. The Russian Post kind of came out, and they've been talking about this for weeks now, saying we're going to revolutionize the way that mail gets delivered. We're going to deliver it by drone. In other countries... I thought you meant male as opposed to female drone. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, right. sorry, sorry, sorry. No, M-A-I-L. M-A-I-L. Okay, I got it. Uh, so this this postal drone was going to be delivering uh-huh. mail all across Russia. And again, they pointed out, like, this is the way of the future. This is the way that we can get things delivered in the future. So $20,000 for this one drone. They were showing it off to the media yesterday. The drone took off and crashed directly into a wall, destroying the drone. (laughs) It was the very first time that we were gonna get a look at this Russian mail drone, and it went right into a wall. Mm -hmm. So I think they're still working out some kinks in the... uh, in the Russian mail drone. They ought to talk to Jeff Bezos. Yeah, exactly. Bet his drones do a little better. Exactly. Uh, also, in tech news, yeah, uh, the rumors in Bloomberg technology about Apple and their new iPhone. We don't know what it's going to be. We don't know when it's going to come out. But they did say that there are reports saying that they are working on curved screens for your iPhone and touchless gesture control. How does that work? Well, they say that you'll be able to do some of your tasks simply by moving your finger close to the screen without actually tapping it. So you can still say it's sort of hands-free, even though you still have to use your hands to do the things. You just don't have to touch the screen. Is that a selling point for you, Bill, to get a new phone? I'm, I'm not ready for it. No, neither am I. I, I, I have no this, need for uh, that. Eight, I have no need for that. Eight, eight plus or whatever it is, and I love it, and I'm really getting... Like comfortable with it, I, I'm I'm not ready to dive into another whole new phone. Here's what I would say. Please. Here's what I'd say. Make a, a screen. Time in between. Make a screen that doesn't break when I drop it, and then you can start doing the fun things like curved screen and touchless gestures and all that stuff. But until then, that's their biggest problem. All right, so we're off. Yeah, we won't, we're not going to buy not it for us. <laughs> Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. A big day yesterday for the Russian investigation. The very first uh, person that Robert Mueller has targeted and sent to jail. Kind of a light sentence, 30 days, but a pretty powerful message from the special counsel, Robert uh, Mueller. Uh, I say that's a good start. One down. Probably 35 to go, and we know where it's heading. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Great to see you today on this Wednesday, Wednesday, April 4, 2018, the Bill Press Show, coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and joining you everywhere in this great land of ours for a great big Wednesday, April 4. We are with you. If you're watching us on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Don't forget our podcast. Podcast is just going great guns. Uh, more and more people signing up. Record numbers last month. We won a record number 
uh, a record April as well. So you can catch our because you can catch everything in the morning. We know that, but you, if you miss the show or any part of the show, just go to our web uh, our website billpressshow.com during the day. Follow the rest of the show or anywhere you normally catch your podcast. We're also with you on Free Speech TV. I curled up on the couch with you watching Free Speech this morning. Or uh, if you're out in the greater Chicago area, joining you in the car at the office at home, wherever you listen to the great progressive voice of Chicago, WCPT. And so glad to uh, welcome back to the studio our good friend from the Washington Post political reporter, um, Eugene Scott. Glad to be here. Yeah, good to have you here. And this is a very, very important day uh, in Memphis and around the country, mm-hmm. uh, the commemoration of, can you believe, 50 years of yeah. uh, the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King, who, Gene, uh, people kind of forget, he was in Memphis marching with the sanitation workers, right? Mm-hmm. So Dr. King was, we remember him as a great civil rights leader. It was social justice, but also economic justice was very much a yeah. part of his message. Absolutely. During the last few years of his life, uh, his message uh, about the need for economic justice and the the uh, pay gap and the wage gap, which is a, a lot of what the uh, march in Memphis was about at the yeah. time of his yeah. death, uh, became a more prominent part of his advocacy work, especially as he moved out of the South. He did work in Chicago, visited New York very often, um, and was just very vocal about how uh, inequality existed uh, in this economy that prevented people, not just black people, but multiple people from having um, equal rights. And I mean, we are seeing very much so many of those conversations uh, continue today when we talk about the wage gap between uh, white men and people of color and men and women um, and other groups that are have, have historically um, been more represented in positions of power versus those who have not. Two voices uh, among many uh, who are in Memphis uh, for this uh, commemoration. Uh, President Barack Obama um, talking about some of the issues or some of the, let's say, constituencies, uh, Americans that Dr. Martin Luther King fought for then and would be fighting for today and still worth fighting for. Here's uh, President Obama yesterday. For every family who still deserves health care and a dignified wage, for every child who deserves to be free from the fear of gun violence, for the civil rights of every American, no matter what they look like, who they love, or the way they pray. Kind of sums it up, right? I mean, these are the people, right? Yeah. But still, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had not um, quite there yet. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, literally, while that was playing, my editor was texting me <laughs> about a story idea I pitched earlier, um, and there was a report that came out very recently saying that for many Americans, spe- specifically Black Americans, things have not improved significantly over the past fifty years in re- in areas of uh, healthcare access, um, job growth, uh, uh, economic uh, equality, housing, uh, home ownership, and so. Um, so much of the message that King tried to put forward is just still very relevant today. Um, and and for multiple reasons. I mean, there are people in positions of power and lawmaking who uh, were opposed to his message then and are opposed to it now um, in terms of what they think America should be and what it means to have a great country. You know, I, 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 I just want to, uh, not a tangent at all, but so... I was on CNN yesterday, and I was asked the question, so um, with all these tweets, this tweet storm, uh, we know what's happening in Memphis, and Donald Trump hasn't tweeted anything about this 50th 
anniversary. And do you think he will? And what does it say that he hasn't? And I must have been, I, I sort of, I did say, well, the, the, the commemoration is tomorrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'll give him a chance, yeah. right? So I just thought, I'm just looking. He didn't, he's tweeted this morning about everything but, right? Yeah. Well, here it is. Of course. We're, we're not in a trade war with China. Our border, this is Donald Trump. Our border laws are very weak. Uh, nothing about, nothing so about. He's got more important things to tweet about, like Judge Jeanine Pirro and mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing about uh, Memphis today. So that he's tweeted. Yeah. Right. Like you, I would not have expected anything uh, yesterday. I, I'll be surprised if someone on Team Trump does not encourage him to check the box. Um, he does a decent job of at least going on the record for major uh, events um, in re- well, related to women or black history. All or right. Something Let's just like put that. it this way uh, where we are on the East Coast. We are eight hours into April 4, yep. and yet nothing from Donald Trump. Yeah. We'll just leave it. Fair we'll enough. just leave it there. Now, but one other, back to what we're talking about in terms of the message and the mission of, of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and where he set his sights on the issues that he thought was important. There's one that we sort of lose track of, and that he was one of the really outspoken leaders uh, as a minister uh, and as a civil rights leader against the war in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His daughter, Bernice King, mm-hmm. brought that out yesterday, I thought, in a very powerful way from the pulpit. Daddy said a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than programs of social uplift is rapidly approaching a spiritual death. Boy, does that ring true today? It does. It does, especially in these conversations about sending more troops to the border. Yeah, um, I yeah. mean, there and uh, all this money we're throwing at the Pentagon. Donald Trump, every time we turn around, more money to the Pentagon. More money. We don't know what's gone for. Yeah, or, 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 yeah, know. indeed. I mean, I I can't imagine what King would have uh, thought about seeing us in this incredibly long war we're in that looks like there are uh, shows very few signs of winding down anytime yeah. soon. Sixteen years in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. especially compared to uh, investment um, in other areas helping marginalized communities who uh, don't have the resources they uh, need to live the dream that he actually dreamed. Yeah. So it's, a, it's a, again, another area where there are so many areas where... Uh, do you feel that we lack that leadership today? and Or who is the Dr. King? of? The, we need him today. We need somebody, I think, with that vision and with that calming presence and that powerful voice. Yeah, we don't I, have it, do we? I don't think we have it in an individual. I think one thing we've seen movements move away from uh, is a messiah complex built yeah. around Good one point. individual. Yeah. But when I think of the March for Our Lives, when I think of the Women's March, when I think of Black Lives Matter, uh, leadership is decentralized. And I think that's really good because we have um, so many issues and so many uh, communities that look different and unique to those spaces. And, they, and those communities, I think, are raising up leaders that are relevant to those spaces. One of the things I've really enjoyed uh, over the last couple of years, obviously, uh, the March on Washington that Dr. King led was monumental and historic. But one thing that's been fascinating about the March for Our Lives and the Women's March is that they exist in all these communities. Everyone's eyes have been on D.C., but there was one in Memphis and there was one in Dallas and Denver. And I think um, we're seeing 
uh, people say we all can carry out the dream uh, individually in our own spaces. Right. Um, no, and and um, you're right. There's there, there's some 800 marches I mm-hmm. think uh, around the globe for and the march march for our lives. Yeah, was. globally and and so, and in towns that you would not even imagine would have um, rallied this much behind an idea politically. Right. Um, yesterday uh, down at the White House, um, President Trump had a. Uh, Joint news conference with the th- three leaders of the Baltic countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, um, uh, I, I would have been tempted had I been there. I was uh, actually uh, up in New York yesterday. Uh, had I been at the briefing and were I able to raise a question, my first question would have been, can you name the three Baltic countries, Mr. President? <laughs> I'm not sure. He kept saying the Baltics. The yeah, Baltics. And <laughs> he thinks that's the country. I, you, I thought he possibly thought it was the country. And that's not even a jab at him. That's based on how he has spoken <laughs> the uh, globally in the past. Yeah. People yeah. of the Baltics. Yeah. People of the Baltics. We love the Baltics. Uh, the Baltics. Yeah. Don't we love the Baltics, folks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, did, he does have a way of turning everything back to it's all about him. And he says the reason the Baltics... Uh, are doing so well today, just like all the rest, the rest of Europe is doing so well today, and everybody in NATO is doing so well today, right, Peter? He said, it's all because of me. Because of me, and you can speak to the head of NATO, Mr. Stoltenberg, uh, he said that because of what I've said to the countries they've taken in general, I think you'll confirm this too, many billions of dollars more than they would have had if you had Crooked Hillary Clinton as president. Okay, that I can tell you. That he can tell you. Why? Why yeah. does he have to? In front of the leaders of these three foreign countries, you know, with the president of the United States, he's been there 14 months now, right? Yeah. Still yeah. to take a jab in that setting at crooked Hillary. That's Trump, it's, though. Like, we talked about whether or not he's going to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King. He might and say, Martin Luther King, good man, never made it to president like I did. I became president. If he was so good, he would have become president. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, he has a way of making uh, things not just about him, but about 2016. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really fascinating because uh, counselor to the pre- uh, president, Kellyanne Conway, always you attacks. You mean the leaker, the number uh, one leaker? That's what that's what they're saying, Which <laughs> and, and you as an insider, have, we've heard that for since she got in the White House, if not before. Uh, she often attacks Hillary Clinton for not moving on from the election. But the reality is no one keeps Hillary Clinton's name in the news like Donald Trump. No, no one. That was about the Baltics. Like yeah. that had nothing to do with 2016. Right, and yeah. I and I don't know. I I can't figure out. I wasn't there. To what extent and in what context he was talking about how they made billions of dollars right. because of me. It wasn't clear. I mean, I, and but he said there's proof. You can ask the head of NATO, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I wish I could have seen the facial expression of the head of NATO in that moment. So then he d- did drop uh, this little bomb, which um, nobody expected. Um, we know he's um, been spreading this fear about these hordes of people who are marching north or, uh, coming to the border as if there's an invasion right yeah. from the south. Um, and, but he says we're going to stop him because uh, suddenly again, to the surprise of everybody in the room, we're going to send the military to the border. Yeah, We are preparing for the military to secure our border between Mexico and the United States. Uh, we have a meeting on it in a little while with General Mattis. <laughs> you think he might have talked to the defense secretary before he made that announcement, but 
You would you would think. I mean, the reality is Trump uh, has a, a habit of leading from the gut what he thinks is right. Um, and that's what kind of got him to the White House. I think he uh, is learning or should learn that governing is a lot different from campaigning. He'll never um, learn that. Well, never <laughs> well ho- hopefully there are people in in his ear trying to communicate to him um, why it's so different. And one of the reasons I wish uh, many people uh, who have as hard of a line on immigration as he uh, communicates would understand why people are coming to the border. And so about 80 percent of these individuals are from Honduras, and they're, they're not coming in to join MS-13 and disrupt things and sell opioids. They're not murderers and rapists, uh, the president suggested. They're also not coming in to join the dream. Absolutely. That's over. Because they can't. They can't. You ended that program, Mr. President. They can't be dreamers. You said they can't be dreamers. Um, But also what's true is they're they're looking for political asylum. Um, They're leaving incredibly violent, dangerous uh, communities um, where their lives are at risk um, with uh, low job opportunity and health care access. And things are incredibly rough. Uh, People are coming into this country to... uh, hopefully grasp the American dream. Not that different uh, from how many immigrants have come to the states uh, legally or illegally for decades. No. Uh, and uh, um, there's also so, so much wrong with what he said. But there is a law, uh, the Posse Comitatus Law, hmm. right? Seventeen. I looked at it last night. 1878, I think it was. It was uh, Rutherford B. Hayes. Uh, who signed that law that says, yeah, 1878, you cannot use the military in this country to enforce domestic policies. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, that's a good law, right? Absolutely. Otherwise, we would have troops marching in the street Mm -hmm. by some one of our crazy presidents who said, no, you know, I want everybody to do it my way. And local law enforcement can't do it. We'll just send troops in. That's that we've seen that. I was going to say that. How about in Turkey? They do that in Turkey very, very effectively. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that's one of the things that separates us from many of the countries that we do not want to be. Um, I I think they could do some backup work. I heard a general explaining yesterday on CNN. They could do some backup support work, maybe keep some roads open or whatever, you know, do some training. But they can't do the job of the Border Patrol. They cannot do the job of local law enforcement officers. I think the job Trump would love for them to do and uh, that he may suggest later is go down there and actually build the wall. I think he would like them to just be using their hands. Um, Obviously, that's not a decision he could make, but uh, I would not be surprised if he— Boy, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I would imagine that's what he, uh, he he wants them to do. I think what's also alarming is um, getting more guns to the border. Uh, it's just a setup for, I think, more conversations and more reports about the dangers of gun violence, because just because troops are sent to the borders doesn't mean that people are going to stop trying to come in, um, even though that's not the main way uh, people... Yeah. Uh, that the most of the undocumented community that exists in the country right now has not it's not undocumented because they came through the border. Um, but I could imagine um, that we're going to see quite a few tragedies if we align the the border with more troops. Uh, one, yeah, and what we we're talking about this a little bit earlier. One would hope that General Mattis, who's one of the few, if not the last, of the sane voices around Donald Trump left, right, mm-hmm. that he would say, Mr. President, this is not a good idea for boom, boom, boom. But, you know, I was hoping General Mattis would make that argument 
uh, about transgender troops. Uh, Mr. President, we should not be banning transgender people. They, are, they have proven that they're quite capable right. of serving, doing the job, mm-hmm. representing our country, wearing the uniform, uh, and, um, and just drop that idea about banning. But Mattis ended up going along. Yeah, from my which disappointment. It was disappointing to to lots of people, and from my reporting, there are actually more sane voices around Trump than make uh, the headlines. At the end of the day, Trump's going to do what Trump wants to do, um, and when he continues to get advice uh, that contradicts what he wants to do, you end up having to leave the White House. Sometimes finding out via Twitter. Uh, now, uh, I have heard rumors, uh, Gene, about you. I've heard rumors that you're not really um, a true American because I've heard rumors that you have actually bought things on Amazon. You know, I actually uh, don't buy as much on Amazon as Jeff Bezos probably not would my, like me to. That's not my question. <laughs> that's not, no, that, that's not what I say. But you have. I, I have. It's, it's, a, it's a great business. This is not an endorsement. This is a fact. It's it's a great business. They they've got so much stuff there, but it's a completely separate business from the Washington Post, um, and it's been very fascinating. Um, at best, uh, harmful and dangerous at worst. That's to right. See. You're a double agent here. <laughs> Donald Trump uh, hates you because yeah. you're an Amazon Prime member. Probably it's, I am a Prime member. Why Pri- wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you be? Yeah. I am too. Yeah. Uh, you are an Amazon Prime member, and you write for the Washington Post. Oh my God. I, I you're do. You're lucky. You're. A, a, I do. A, you're. But you know what? Still a free man walking the streets, right? And I, uh, you know what? I would love a survey of. I would love to see uh, Trump survey his uh, White House staff to see how many of them are Prime members. I bet you a good number of them probably are. Well, I, I, you I, can buy Trump ties on Amazon.com. <laughs> you can buy made any, in China. Made in China. You can buy anything on Amazon.com. But um, yeah, the CBS News reported that in, in 2016, the Trump campaign spent 170 thousand dollars on Amazon. Oh, I mean, buying supplies. Point, yeah, it's yeah, part right. of the problem. Okay, but here he is again yesterday. Here yeah. he is again yesterday. Right, they're getting this. Right, we are the post office is gone belly up, and it's all because of Amazon. Here they are. Here we go. The post office is losing billions of dollars, and the taxpayers are paying for that money because it delivers packages for Amazon at a very below cost. And that's not fair to the United States, it's not fair to our taxpayers. And Amazon has the money to pay the fair rate at the post office, which would be much more than they're paying right now. We're giving a subsidy to Amazon, and we're talking about billions of dollars a year. Billions and billions and billions of dollars. Um, uh, (laughs) Now, uh, people may not believe it from you or me, Gene Scott, right? Right. Washington Post or the Bill Press Show. So let's call in our good friend. Let's let Fox News share the facts. Here is Shep Smith yesterday afternoon. The Postal Service's own numbers show it makes money by delivering packages for Amazon and other companies. As for taxpayers, the Post Office's own website points out, and I quote, the Postal Service receives no tax dollars for operating expenses. None. And that reference to $1.47 that the president came up with there? A Citigroup study last year showed, on average, the Postal Service was charging $1.46 below market rates for package delivery. But our researchers point out, if that discount exists, it's not just for Amazon. It's a bulk rate discount. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. So he's wrong. The facts are wrong. Yeah, yeah. they get a discount, but so does Walmart. So Absolutely. does Barnes and Noble. Uh, not just booksellers, but so does anybody who does a lot of mail business. Sure. Sure. No, Amazon pays the same lower rate that the post office charges other book shippers, and it collects sales tax in every state yeah. that has it. Um, the reality. So, how can I keep saying this? Um, well, I mean, we have reports that have shown that President Trump is uh, has made more misleading and inc- inaccurate and false statements uh, than any other president in history. Um, and so, this is just combined, a, combined, I probably, would say. Yeah. possibly at least the last decade. Um, uh, this is this is normal behavior from the president, and I think it forces people to say, why would you continue to put out inaccurate information that can be so easily fact-checked? What is the motivation behind um, your attacks on this company? And, and it has to be uh, based on the fact that Bezos also owns the Washington Post, which has been doing some top-rate reporting, um, holding his administration accountable in ways that uh, he hasn't viewed as favorable. Uh, McKay Coppins right. uh, from The Atlantic, who um, wrote mm-hmm. this great piece, if you haven't read, called The Outer Borough President in The Atlantic, which will help you understand a lot of uh, Trump, Trump's mindset, tweeted yesterday that Trump's issue with Jeff Bezos is that Jeff Bezos is many of the things that Trump is not. He's younger than Trump, he's wealthier than Trump, and he's accepted by elites that Trump will never be accepted by. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and those attacks and are he's respected. Yeah. Uh, and Trump is not. Right, right. In the business world. These are, these are very personal attacks. I mean, because if they weren't personal attacks, you would add facts, and we're not getting any facts. Okay, so there's this mythology, right, that a businessman is good for business. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be true for Donald Trump. It doesn't. And it's not just him. It's just so obviously uh, not him because he's so campaigned on the reason why I can lead a government is because I've been so successful in business. And the reality is we have not um, been able to judge that completely for ourselves and not seeing tax returns. And I think that's something we Mm -hmm. have to pay attention to when we see him making statements that uh, cause uh, companies to suffer greatly in the stock market and cause and make statements that cause other companies to do well. It just reminds us we don't know how Trump is benefiting in the tax area. Right. Uh, Yeah. So our good friend Michael Shear, I think he was with the Post for a while. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure. I thought so. Now at the New York um, front page story of the New York Times today. Uh, reminded me of some of this, so that Amazon, there's a predictor of war against Amazon. I think you're absolutely right. It's because Jeff Bezos happens to own the Washington Post as well as Amazon. But um, uh, Michael Shear and Cecilia Kang point out that uh, Amazon, again, not alone. President Trump once accused Verizon of making a stupid deal. He ridiculed Coca-Cola as garbage, Mm. but said he would still uh, drink it. He called H.R. Block and Nordstrom terrible. He said Sony had really stupid leadership. Uh, he called SB Global losers. And um, he has attacked, so far, tech firms, military contractors, car makers, cell phone companies, financial firms, drug companies, air, condition, air conditioner makers, sports leagues, Wall Street giants, and, of course, media companies, mm-hmm. the enemy of the American people. And Peter pointed out earlier, Boeing. Remember yeah. when you did yeah. the whole thing about So here's a president of the United States who is attacking American firms sure. by name. Yeah, yeah. And is that the president's job? 
I, I, I mean, mean, absolutely not. You would think the president would be a champion of American business. I mean, his defenders would say he punches back. But these aren't companies that have punched him first. No. These are companies that are employing uh, thousands of Americans, possibly millions, and many of them in these counties and communities that Trump uh, won. And yeah. so, I mean, when you make the when companies lose like 50 billion dollars in worth in a day, um, I mean, that has an impact on uh, the bottom line and the people who depend on them to do well. Now, here is the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Mm -hmm. yesterday put out a statement saying, quote, the United States Chamber of Commerce, quote, it's inappropriate for government officials to use their position to attack an American company. Notice they're chicken to say it's inappropriate for Donald Trump to do this. They have to do this. A government official. But you know what I say to them? Screw you. You supported him. Yeah, I mean, the, you knew um, that this is how he yeah. responded to American businesses US Chamber on of the Commerce. campaign. They were Trumpers all the way. In well, and he attacked American businesses on the but campaign. He did. This is but, not new, right? Um, and so to think that, but but maybe everyone would like once he gets in the White House, uh, he's going to change. He's going to pivot. Man, we're pivot. still waiting for that pivot. The pivot's it's, not happening. <laughs> yeah, the, Trump is. The who pivot's he is. never going to happen. Yeah. And it's not going to happen because many of the people who got on the Trump train don't want the pivot. That's people right. who want the pivot are people who aren't on the Trump train. And even if he did pivot, probably wouldn't vote for him again. So he's trying and to hold why, on. That's why he keeps throwing this anti-immigrant stuff out right. there. That's for the, the red, base. That's the red meat for the yeah for the people on the Trump train. I got to say, well, we're going to pivot right here, right now, because there's something very, very exciting going on in Oklahoma and in uh, Kentucky. Thanks to uh, West Virginia, maybe, the teachers of those two states and other states have come alive. Travis Waldron from HuffPost has been down in Kentucky. He's just back uh, with a great report. We're going to tell us what's going on down there in Kentucky with the teachers' strike. Uh, Coming up next here on the Bill Press Show, Eugene Blake staying with us as a friend of Bill. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Oh, BFD, the Braves beat the Nats. You know, well. Only one game back. The Nats Nats can't win every game. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Great to see you today. It is on a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday, April 4. How about it? The Bill Press Show booming out to you uh, nationwide, indeed. From our studio on Capitol Hill, Eugene Scott from the Washington Post. Here as a friend of Bill for the entire hour. And we're joined uh, fresh back from... His home state of Kentucky was down there uh, with a big teacher strike. Travis Waldron from uh, Huff Post. Hello, Travis. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Before we jump back into it, uh, just a little bit of breaking news. I just got on my uh, my phone during during the break that the uh, uh, the crowds are already lining up in Darien, Illinois, uh, in front of the Fugal, Frugal Muse bookstore. Uh, because I'm going to be there tonight. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there it is. So uh, you better get out and get in line if you want a spot in the Frugal Muse Bookstore in Darien, Illinois, 630 tonight. Big town hall. Going to talk about Illinois politics, national politics, whatever you want to talk about, how bad Donald Trump really is. And, of course, we'll take a little look at my new book from the left, Life in the Crossfire. Uh, find more about it on our website at BillPressShow.com. But come on out tonight if you're in anywhere in the Chicago area. Uh, the great suburb of Darien will be there at 630 Frugal Muse Bookstore. And we'll see you then. Too bad. You guys want to go? I'm... You paying? <laughs> Always. Why not? Chicago. Yeah, right. Well, come Let's on. Go. I'm hopping on, uh, on the plane right after the program here. So, Travis, Kentucky and Oklahoma in the wake of West Virginia. Tell us what it was like down there. 
It was crazy. It was, I think, between five and 10,000 protesters outside the Capitol at, in Frankfurt on Monday morning. And what are they asking? Uh, well, it's a little bit different than West Virginia and Oklahoma, where there, a lot of it's about compensation. Uh, mm-hmm. In Kentucky, it's about pensions, first and foremost. It, on Thursday night, the Kentucky state legislature kind of inserted pension reforms into a public sewage bill, what had previously been a public sewage bill. Passed it just a few hours later. The pension fight's been going on for a long time. Kentucky's yeah. public pensions are some of the worst funded in the nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've Matt Bevan, the Republican governor, and the Republican state legislature has been trying to pass reforms, most of them opposed by teachers. A lot of them, the teachers well, say, reforms. are illegal, unconstitutional under uh, Kentucky law because they have a contract and a stipulation in the Kentucky Constitution that says that contract can't Mm -hmm. just be amended for current teachers um they got most of what they were asking for in the short term the current teachers don't lose many benefits a lot of the what they called the worst parts are out of this bill uh but it switches new hires to more of a 401k system Mm -hmm. and caps some other benefits and changes some things and so they're pretty upset are they uh out of are they did they walk out of the classrooms they walked out uh well on friday morning so a lot of kentucky was already on spring break and oh, friday uh-huh. morning they they had a, a sick out is what they called it the teachers just called in sick in mass and uh tw- i think 26 counties closed schools including jefferson county which is louisville and fayette county which is lexington so the two biggest districts in the state and then on Monday, I think roughly 90, 90 or so of the counties were on spring break, 90 of the 120 Kentucky mm-hmm. counties. The others all closed. Mm-hmm. Um, so the teachers, there were teachers, I believe, from every county in Kentucky at the rally on Monday morning. Is it ongoing? Uh, it's or- sort of lapsed. The The legislative session is on break now um, for 10 days. And with it being spring break, they're kind of waiting and seeing how the uh whether what bevan does with the pension bill they also there were potential budget cuts that they were protesting uh the budget bill they actually got some wins in but bevan has the ability to line item veto and has already sort of indicated that he might uh veto some of the funding that the legislature put back in that teachers wanted so they're kind of in a wait and see approach right now Uh, they go back in i believe on the 13th and that's when Bevan will have a window to start vetoing things. So if I, I talked to an organizer and a teacher last night, and they basically said we're we're just sort of you know waiting to see what happens. Meanwhile, uh, also in uh, Oklahoma, I think the very first day, the thirty six thousand teachers walked off the jobs, walked and stormed. They really took over the state capital, mm. as they did in Kentucky. Right. They took over the state capital. Uh, there was a an, another big um, rally out in uh, Oklahoma yesterday. Here, um, Peter, the uh, chant chant of the uh, teachers in Oklahoma: "Invest in the future." Invest in the best. In the best. That's right. Which best. is the future? Which right. Is the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and then Mary Fallon, uh, the governor of Oklahoma, I just 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 listen to this. This is this is you talk about being clueless or out of step. Uh, the wrong message. She here's what she envisions for um, teachers to, to to be able to do their job and support their family. 
No, I hope we could get to the salary to where they could work one or, or if they choose, they got a big family, two jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wants to get to the point where teachers can get by by working two jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Gene? yeah I mean, I think it's um, uh, another um, window into the conversation about uh, the classes that voted for uh, Donald Trump. We talk a lot about uh, working class voters and specifically the white working class that voted for Donald Trump. The reality is teachers are college educated professionals still dealing with a lot of working class mm-hmm. challenges. Um, and I think uh, it reminds us that um, it's not just these low income um individuals that don't have college degrees that are struggling trying to figure out what it means to uh, attain the American dream. It's many people with graduate degrees. Yeah. No, I think what that's you, a good point because yeah. in Kentucky, I think they have become, the teachers have become kind of a symbol of broader working class and especially public state workers because right. the, the other state workers are <laughs> dealing with these pension changes too. So there were police and firefighters unions mm-hmm. and Teamsters unions mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, Matt Bevan in Kentucky, his first act last year in 2017 was to pass right to work legislation and uh, repeal Kentucky's prevailing wage law. So there was a lot of discussion about that at this protest. Is it was kind of a, you know, the teachers have become the most potent symbol mm-hmm. in a lot of these places. But I think the 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 argument is more about what is it, you know, why can't we make a living right. in these states anymore and and yeah, and even beyond that i mean there's there's questions that go to that too about the the broader what they see as dismantling of public education sure. systems across the country yeah have mary fallon drive a taxi cab at night to keep her to, <laughs> mm-hmm. to feed her family i mean that idea that that she sees that as a goal as long as they're only working two jobs so then everything is okay now i didn't have a double chance to double check this but i saw on cbs the other night in oklahoma that it takes 20 years as a teacher to build under existing system to get up to where you're earning $40,000 a year. Wow. I mean, that's just criminal. But right? it's believable. I mean, based on oh, what yeah. we have seen in terms of uh, salaries nationally, mm-hmm. um, when you think of how low the pay is in some more prosperous right. communities, <laughs> it would only make sense that Oklahoma would be even more challenged. Mm-hmm. There are 49 in, among 50 states. Wow. I don't wow. know who number wow. 50 is. Yeah, and you made Probably the point. Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You made yeah, the point about graduate degrees. In Kentucky, if you're a public school teacher, you're required to get a master's right. degree. Um while you're teaching. You don't have to have it to start, but eventually you have to have a master's degree, mm-hmm. and that's out of pocket yep. for most of the teachers. And so, you know, and also when it comes back to the pensions, Kentucky teachers aren't eligible for Social Security. So their pension is their only retirement. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a point they stressed over and over and over again is that if you. If, They're not if, eligible no. for Social Security? I, 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 but Ray and I both, our jaws just hit the floor. Yeah, really? Right. No. right. I think there's 13 states where teachers as part of their pension programs, aren't eligible for Social Security. Oh, my God. And so they, they give 13% of their paycheck to their retirement and health care plans for retirement. And it, they don't if they don't have Social Security or, or if these pensions yeah. are reduced yeah. or they go away, because, and that that's not necessarily as big of a problem for current teachers because the pension isn't changing that much for them. But for future teachers that are on a 401k plan with no Social Security to back that up, you know, they're saying the big thing here is we're not going to be able to recruit teachers. Yeah. yeah. In a state where, well, you know, in a state where, God bless it, it's my home and I love it. But the public education system is already among probably the bottom five in the country. And if you can't recruit teachers, if they're leaving for Ohio or, you know, any other state, 
it it's only going to go it's only going to get even worse yeah and in no state i would argue are teachers really being paid what they deserve right. Right. some of them maybe make may be able to make a prevailing wage but look at oklahoma i mean how you're a young person in oklahoma you're dedicated you really want to make a life helping others by 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 teaching why would you go into it if it takes you 20 years to get up to $40,000 mm-hmm. a year? Yeah. I, I mean, when you were describing what's happening, I, I kept, couldn't help but to think about, like, the colleges of education at these universities trying to recruit students right. to major in education. Uh, that has to be incredibly difficult at this point uh, to encourage people and, that. And Yeah. And on top of that, as so many of these teachers have pointed out, um, we, we had a clip yesterday from a, a teacher saying she, in her school, the kids have to carry their chairs from mm-hmm. one classroom to the next because there are not wow. enough chairs, wow. textbooks with duct tape wow. holding them together year yeah. after year. So after if year. you yeah. don't have textbooks and chairs, where, should we get should teachers get guns as well now? <laughs> oh, I yeah, mean, of course. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, by the way, out of their own pocket, they right. have to pay for their I guns. Talked to, I talked to a teacher in Kentucky yesterday in Louisville, which is one of the probably better funded districts in the state. Yeah. And he said his school, his business class that he teaches, they haven't gotten new textbooks since 2008. Mm. And so he basically doesn't use textbooks yeah. anymore. Because, I mean, because like, you're obviously not talking about <laughs> right. an economic downturn. Right. That's like, insane. Right. How do you teach yeah. American business in 2018 <laughs> with a 2008 <laughs> yeah. textbook? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, you miss a lot. You know, this, I think, is a, a, a point for Democrats to point to in, this, in these elections, because I don't think that the Democrats have done a very good job of taking care of unions and labor and the workforce over the years. They've just sort of taken it for granted that a lot of them are going to vote democratically, and they haven't spoken to those needs. And when you have a place like Kentucky or Oklahoma or West Virginia, which are red states, and you're seeing these uprisings from teachers, like, the point here is, no, they can't pay the teachers because they've given so many tax cuts to big businesses, oil companies, coal companies in West Virginia. And, like, yeah. this is the no, they argument. Give it, they this give it is away the and then we say we don't have, we don't have the right. money to well, pay Kentucky, you. Kentucky's an, yeah. an interesting point on that, Peter, because Kentucky— They create the problem. They Kentucky's created the problem. a red state for a long time at the federal level, but it was, it was a blue state right. for, yeah. you know, even— just now in in 2016, mm-hmm. they lost the legislature completely to Republicans for the first time in a century. By the way, so was West Virginia. Right. West Virginia mm-hmm. was a blue Matt state. Matt Bevin's only the second Republican governor Kentucky's had in my lifetime. Mm. So, you know, Democrats in the past, when it comes to the pension shortfalls in Kentucky, the, some of the budget problems, they've been just as big of a problem on right. this. And, you know, they're just as responsible for a lot of yeah. these problems as the Republicans are. I do think in Kentucky, right now you have a bunch of teachers running for office, and I think they're a new sort of class of Democrats that are looking at this and saying, you know, something really has to be done. I think you'd have to be blind, frankly, to... Yeah, look at what happened in Kentucky and or even in Oklahoma and West Virginia as a, as the Democratic Party and say, well, what we should listen to those people yeah. and and here, champion their cause. Here we are on this Wednesday, April four. Uh, Travis Waldron here for this from uh, Huff Post and Eugene Scott from the Washington Post. I'm going to shift gears here to a couple of other topics that are uh, important in the news today. Um, we are in the midterm election year and looking for little signs about how one might go. Maybe we saw one of those signs last night in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, um, a Supreme Court <laughs> they elect their Supreme Court justices statewide in Wisconsin, not in every state. Um, uh, technically, that's not a partisan seat, although in this case, there was clearly 
uh, one Democrat, Rebecca Dallet, and a, a Republican, Martin Shrinock, I think his name was, um, got it here, uh, who, uh, he was a Republican with the support of all the, the Republican Party and the National Rifle Association. She was supportive of all the Democratic groups, plus Joe Biden was out supporting her, and so was Senator Cory Booker. And she won hands down the first time in 23 years that uh, Democrats have picked up a seat on the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court, an open seat in the Supreme Court. Uh, Scott Walker, the Republican governor of uh, Wisconsin, said it's a wake-up call for Republicans. What do you think, Gene? Yeah, I definitely think it is. I mean, the reality is that was a state, Wisconsin, where um, we thought it would go blue based on history. I don't think it's we're at a place where we can look at it and go, it's now a red state. Um, it, it went blue in part because there were many people, first-time voters, who were drawn to uh, Trump's message who don't feel like you he— went red because of— I'm sorry, yeah, for, who yeah, first-time right, voters who right. went red, who were yeah. drawn to Trump's message, who do not feel like he has lived up to what— um, they were hoping, and there were a lot of people in Wisconsin who voted for Obama, um, who did, who set out completely, um, who now realize what can happen if you uh, sit out, and they don't want to send more people to positions on the courts or in Congress that they uh, believe will carry out Trump's uh, message. And so, I mean, I think it's very interesting um, to see. We should all be interested in seeing what could happen uh, this fall. Um, in, in states like Wisconsin that are still trying to figure out who they're going to be in the future. And Travis, about a month ago, the state Senate seat in Wisconsin, right. which flipped from yeah. red to blue. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's interesting because we've seen this at the electoral level in special elections in different places. I think these protests fit into that, though. These teacher protests, these, like there's, there's something in the water in these, you know, Wisconsin is obviously more purple, but in in the Kentuckys and Oklahomas and West Virginias, that should be safe Republican places. And you have people out in the streets openly rebelling against their Republican leaders. Yeah, well, there are several. Um, uh, I think it's three leg- state legislative seats in Oklahoma, right, that mm-hmm. flipped also mm-hmm. from red to blue, mm-hmm. right. So there, in terms of the enthusiasm, the energy, the momentum, it's clearly on the. Well, Democratic that was that was side. one yeah. thing that was really palpable at the at the protest in Frankfurt the other day was they weren't just saying protect our pension or fund our schools they were saying if you don't we oh. will be here in November oh. right oh. like well, we will it's like the march for our lives vote we'll vote you out right yeah. i mean they were, they were they were they were carrying signs that said we'll remember in November they were chanting that wow. you're you're done if yeah. you do this, if you don't fund our schools, if you don't protect our pensions, we we're not going to forget. And, <laughs> and you know, I th- love it. I love it. We'll remember in November. I love yes. that. Yeah. But you know this this again. Th- this gets back to the whole thing with with Parkland. It's like for so long, politicians have been able to say, "Oh, we we weren't able to do this because of X, Y, or Z." And people are now saying, "No, no, no. This is why we elected you. Mm-hmm. If you can't do it, we'll yeah, find somebody who will." Yeah. Well, yeah. the the other interesting thing too, I think, is. You know, you mentioned Parkland, Peter. Wisconsin's obviously a little bit different because that was a, a race, but these protests are pretty organic. They're not coming from Total. the big unions. They're not coming from the the, the Democratic parties. No, they're no. they're coming from in Kentucky. Yeah. Teachers started Facebook groups, secret Facebook groups, and created zones within the state. And that's how they organized a lot of this that's stuff. Awesome. Yeah. It, it was outside yeah. of the traditional levers of sure. Democratic and 
union power. Look that at the, the women's march, right? Right. A yeah. woman in Hawaii, Facebook yeah. friends or yeah. something. Right. And a million people show up in Washington. No, it's incredible. We've and, never... and to your point earlier, I mean, they the Democratic Party would not be the ones to organize this, considering that they have in part been responsible for the right. problem as well. Yeah. Um, they're not just rallying against Trump. They're rallying against all political the, leaders yeah. who caused this. Right. It's situation. the entire establishment. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that good, a bit of good news. All right. Other news on, on a different, totally different front. Um, everybody, they forget about Robert Mueller, try to change the subject, just call it a witch hunt. Mueller just keeps doing his job. And every once in a while, he reminds us that he's on his job, as he did yesterday <laughs> when he marched uh, Alex von, von der Swan, whatever his name is, the Dutch attorney working for a London law firm, was acting as a go-between between Paul Manafort and Rick Gates, who were in the Trump campaign, running the Trump campaign at the time, and some Russian operatives that they knew were Russian spies. Uh, von der Swan lied to the FBI about the, exactly what he was doing. Uh, he got caught in a lie, and he walked out of a federal court yesterday with a 30-day prison sentence and a $20,000 fine. Which may be just a slap on the wrist, but there's a message there. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think the message is that uh, Mueller is taking this seriously, that there will be consequences for uh, breaking the law. I think you could argue that maybe just a 30-day sentence and $20,000 fine for someone who's married to the daughter of a Russian billionaire um, (laughs) suggests that uh, maybe uh, he's saying like a bird. Who knows? I mean, maybe that—I mean— there's more information um, coming, more uh, convictions coming um, that would allow uh, the punishment to be, um, you know, actual but not incredibly severe. Um, but I, I, I think it's it's heating up. I mean, we we actually have seen a conviction, not, and I don't think this would be the last one. One down, thirty to right. go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the 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 big question, right? Is did he? How much did they talk? Mm-hmm. That's my question about all of these mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. These, you yeah. know, the. Yeah. Papadopoulos's of the world and you know but yeah, it does it, show it ain't over right yeah, yeah I mean, and there are gotta be have to be more to come you gotta assume there was a lot of talking because one thing we know about this White House is that there's just no loyalty <laughs> I mean I mean there's no loyalty these are not people who were on the same team during the campaign and they're not on the same team now and there are lots of people who don't trust one another or know who has their back, and everyone's just trying to stay out of jail or get the shortest jail sentence as possible. <laughs> and so people are saying what they need to say to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's got to be, man, I, I, Paul Manafort, has got to be thinking, man, Rick Gates now is, is cooperating. Van Desvelt must be helping out here, right? Yeah. Michael Flynn. Right. Somebody's in yeah. trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. I, everyone, all these lawyers, everyone right. has a lawyer. Now, you may not know this, Eugene, but before um, uh, uh, Travis got this worldwide assignments here on, on for political or for HuffPost, he was a sports reporter. Nice. Right? So we used to count on him to give us all the skinny on nice. uh, on um, Major League Baseball, and the Nats are his favorite team. Awesome. Yes, no, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they are not. Say all goodbye right. to that. But you got to say season. they 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 got off to a great got start. off to a great start. I really wish Bryce Four Harper. Would, I really wish Bryce Harper would quit hitting home runs off the Braves. <laughs> uh, are you are you a Braves? Fan? I am a Braves fan. Nice. But Trey Turner on my fantasy team keep hitting home runs. Yeah. So uh, how's it look for you? I, people are saying the Nats are going all the way this year. I I trust the Nats all the way up until October first, mm. until the playoffs. They're begin. they're going to win ninety five games minimum. They're they're the best team in the East. The East is 
you have the you have the Nats and then you have the Braves and the Phillies who are sort of a year maybe two away and mm-hmm. you have maybe the Mets but the Marlins are awful um but the National League's tough they still have Chicago they still have the Dodgers so mm-hmm. it'll be you know whether they can get over their October malaise I'm hoping I'm hope I we joke I'm hopeful right. they do yeah, good. I would like yeah. to see it happen. Yeah, we've been in the playoffs. We have the All Star game here this year. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We, you know, be a good year for I'm for Washington. For Plus, you know, the window, you know, the window is is wide open right now, and it's hard to know how long that's going to be true because mm-hmm. if, if Bryce leaves. Okay, so would uh, would Loyola have beat Michigan? I mean, um, Villanova. Nobody was beating Villanova. No, no, nobody was beating Villanova. Not even with Sister Jean. That was fairly clear around <laughs> like mid February. <laughs> you know, you know who beat him last year? Carolina. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, I just, the year I before that. Yeah, I was did. there. We're in my Carolina Nail. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, Nova yeah. was the best team this year. All right, and they deserved it. Yeah, they got it. Hey guys, thanks so much for Thank coming. Thank you. In. All right, Travis, always good to see awesome. you. Too. Good to have you here. It's a friend of Bill. All right, I'll see you tonight in Darien, Illinois, and we'll somebody will be here tomorrow for the Bill <laughs> Press Show. Have a good this Wednesday, folks. Is the Bill Press Show.